0: Welcome to the Tsai Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sub China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Tsai China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Tsai Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada Shen is away this week. China's trade boss heads to Washington to ink the start of a trade truce. Tesla serves up its first cars in China. And video app Douyin reveals it isn't just Gen Zs and millennials that are fueling its rapid growth. Here's your news. Chinese Vice Premier Liu He will travel to the U.S. this week to sign the first phase of a trade pact between the world's two largest economies, China confirmed on Thursday. At Washington's invitation, Liu will lead a delegation that will visit the U.S. from January 13th to January 15th to sign a first-phase agreement that was previously reached in December, formalizing a truce in their trade war that has lasted for more than a year. Beijing's announcement is the first Chinese confirmation of the signing, which U.S. President Donald Trump had previously announced. Trump has also said he will go to China after the deal is inked to begin negotiations on the second phase. The two sides have been locked in their trade war since July 2018, when Washington first levied punitive tariffs on about $34 billion in Chinese imports, and China retaliated with similar measures. Since then, the two sides have engaged in more tit for tat tariffs to the point where most of their bilateral trade is now subject to taxation. Tesla delivered its first China made sedan to the public last week as the U.S. electric car maker officially kicked off production at its China plant in a key step to tap the world's largest auto market. The rollout of the plant's Model 3 electric cars came one year after Tesla broke ground on its multi-billion dollar gigafactory near Shanghai, the first outside the United States. CEO Elon Musk also announced plans to start China production of the Model Y crossover, an SUV scheduled to hit the market this summer. Tesla slashed prices recently on China-made Model 3s to as low as $43,000 after the company secured a 10% tax break for electric cars from Chinese regulators. The pricier Model Y will run between $64,000 and $77,000, Tesla said. Analysts said Tesla's global deliveries this year will exceed $500,000, with 28% of that coming from China. The company's revenue from China has nearly doubled over the last year. Preferential policies and lower supply costs pushed up Tesla's profit margin in China. Operating costs at the Shanghai factory are about 65% lower than at the U.S. manufacturing hub in Fremont, California. Production in China has reportedly reduced the cost of each Model 3 by nearly 25%. The effect on costs of the Model Y is expected to be even higher. China will grant private and foreign companies access to explore for and produce oil and gas in the country's long-awaited move to open up the massive state-controlled energy sector. Starting May 1st, all companies registered in China with net assets of $43 million, no matter whether domestically or foreign-funded, will be allowed to apply for licenses to conduct oil and gas exploration and production, officials said Thursday. The new policy will end strict control over the sector by a few state-owned giants. International companies could previously enter the industry only through joint ventures or partnerships with the state enterprises. The energy sector is just one of several industries China has begun to open to foreign players. The auto, finance, and banking sectors have recently relaxed rules limiting foreign investment. Short video app Doin has passed 400 million daily active users, its operator said last week in a report that included previously undisclosed insights on the app's domestic users and the types of videos they view and create. ByteDance, which also runs Doin's embattled international analog TikTok, said the number of domestic users was up 60% from this time last year. Among the key insights... Northeast China's Rust Belt may be economically unproductive, but it sure makes plenty of content. The trio of Liaoning, Jilin, and Heilongjiang provinces made the top five Chinese regions by number of users who post videos. Beijing took the top spot, with Shanghai at number three. Millennial and Gen Z stereotypes were punctured by the finding that it was those born in the 1970s, the final years of the Chairman Mao era, who were most likely to shoot and share videos of their food. People born in the 1960s were more likely to share dance videos, presumably of the kind of granny dancing that people of that age often partake in around the country. They most commonly watched wedding videos, of which 7 million were broadcast on the service last year. Those under 20 years old preferred sharing anime and watching clips of cute animals, which are as much of a hit as they are on any social video site. The cause of a mysterious lung disease that has afflicted more than 50 people in the central Chinese city of Wuhan appears to be a new virus in the same family as those that caused the deadly SARS and MERS outbreaks, the WHO said. Initial evidence points to a coronavirus as the possible pathogen, its statement said. Coronaviruses, some of which are thought to spread to humans from animals, can cause respiratory diseases of varying severity. One such virus causes Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, which killed hundreds of people in China in 2002 and 2003. Another, which causes Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, killed dozens of people in South Korea in 2015 and ignited fears that it might spread to China. While Chinese authorities believe that the new virus can cause serious illness, the WHO said it, quote, does not transmit readily between people. Quote. Wuhan's Municipal Health Commission said it had already ruled out SARS, MERS, and a number of other deadly lung diseases like bird flu. Since December, Wuhan has witnessed an outbreak of an unverified form of viral pneumonia whose symptoms include fever and breathing difficulties. The disease has infected at least 59 people so far, with the first death reported last week. Several patients began showing symptoms after visiting a seafood market in the northwestern part of the city, signaling that the disease may have a common origin. The market has since been closed. China's wealthy families are twice as likely as global peers to have made their millions in real estate, according to a report co-produced by UBS, which found an increasing focus on wealth preservation and succession. Almost 30% of participants surveyed said their family wealth came from property, followed by investments in consumer discretionary and industrials. The swelling ranks of China's super-rich are also increasingly turning to family offices as they focus on wealth maintenance and succession planning, according to the study. The concept of a family office is relatively new in China compared with Europe, the US, and other parts of Asia, where rich families have long used privately held companies to handle investment and wealth management decisions. Although the combined wealth of billionaires in the Chinese mainland dropped 12% in 2018, their numbers have been growing more quickly than elsewhere. A former top Chinese lottery official was sentenced to 11 years imprisoned for corruption that caused $108 million of revenue loss to the welfare lottery system. The conviction brought the total number of senior officials punished in a years-long probe to 14. Wang Suying former head of the China Welfare Lottery Distribution and Management Center at the Ministry of Civil Affairs, was the second senior lottery official imprisoned after a 2015 audit uncovered extensive lottery corruption. Wang's two predecessors have also been under investigation. In June, Wang's deputy was sentenced to 17 years in prison for corruption and abuse of power. As gambling is generally outlawed in mainland China, The state-run welfare lottery and sports lottery are the only legal forms of gambling allowed. The combined sales of the two lotteries topped $58 billion in 2018, making China the world's second-largest lottery market after the United States. Let's turn now to Doug Young, managing editor of Caixin Global, to chat about a couple of the stories he's focused on in the week. Doug, why don't you tell us about the items that have grabbed your attention?
1: Okay. the The first story I wanted to talk about today is uh, about something that isn't quite happening in China yet, but uh, certainly has a lot of potential if it if it ever makes it here. Uh, and that story is is about a company that I think a lot of our listeners will have heard of. It's called Im- Impossible Foods, uh, and this is this company's been creating all sorts of buzz. And I'll I'll be the first to admit I haven't tried their products, and actually you'll hear why shortly because uh, they're not available here in China. But this company is is a very hot company right now. And, and apparently, their products taste pretty close to meat. Uh, but they're not. They're, they're, they're made from uh, some sort of soy protein or, or something like that. Uh, but it, it's close to imitating meat. Anyhow, this, this company has been doing hamburgers, uh, beef for a while. But uh, just this past week, they rolled out their first impossible pork so so they're getting into the pork market and this one is actually quite interesting because anybody who lives out in asia or in china specifically here knows that pork is just the number one meat by a long shot uh pork uh, accounts for something like two thirds of all meat consumed in china or i should say all non-fish meat um, and China is actually responsible for half of the world's pork consumption. So, obviously, there's a huge business opportunity here, and Impossible Foods was sort of playing up to that. They they rolled this thing out at uh, CES, which is the big electronics show. It's not electronic, really, but uh, I guess it's a high-tech product in in Las Vegas. And if you look at their press release, they were going on about how it can be used in wontons and— uh dandan dan noodles and dim sum you know ba- basically all these chinese references in there so it was very you know very upbeat about about the possibility of this stuff um again i haven't tasted it but certainly there's a lot of potential for them to do something in china and and this comes at a time when china's hog population has been decimated by african
0: swine fever right
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a a major caveat here. Uh, One is what you mentioned, is that China's pork industry has been really hit hard by uh, this African swine fever uh, that's knocked out something like half of all the pigs in China. Uh, Pork prices have gone through the roof. But in all honesty, that's not really, you know, because that'll probably recover, hopefully, within like a year. And it looks like Impossible Pork may be much more than a year off uh, from coming to China. Uh, and the reason that uh, they're, they're having such problems is, is it's all about regulation. I mean, China's the land of bureaucracy. And I guess if you look at what they're actually using to flavor this stuff, one is is that it does contain products from soybeans that are genetically modified. And China is quite skittish about that sort of stuff. But then also, it's just the, the the substance that they use; it's it's processed and whatever. I, I uh, but it's basically you know a highly processed, refined thing. And guess what? It doesn't appear on any of China's lists in terms of allowable foods. And and so apparently they're just like you know tearing their hair out trying to figure out how they can get China to approve the use of this you know revolutionary soybean whatever uh so the reports that i saw seem to be saying you know it's probably going to be years if ever before this stuff gets into china
0: okay great so unlike you i have actually tried both impossible and beyond and I think they're pretty darn good uh anyway looking forward to trying the pork versions um your other story this week is also food and well more beverage related as it happens yeah
1: Yeah, the other story is about uh, our favorite uh, coffee chain, uh, the homegrown Starbucks or Starbucks wannabe called uh, Luckin Coffee, which all of us in the Caixin Beijing office are well aware of because many of us uh, purchase it, including myself, from the the shop downstairs in our lobby. But uh, Luckin has been just expanding at breakneck pace. Uh, They've actually officially passed Starbucks to become... China's biggest coffee chain, and and you think about it, Starbucks has been at this for 20 years in China. Luckin has really just been around for about two years. They're they're just opening stores much much quicker than Starbucks. Uh, if you've gone to their stores, they're they're obviously much smaller, much easier to open. But still, this is a huge expansion. So you know, if this massive expansion wasn't enough, uh, Luckin has just announced they're getting into the vending machine business and uh, they held a big event uh, here in Beijing to show everybody the vending machines and and, uh, there's going to be coffee vending machines but then they're also getting into the cold drinks uh, you know dairy and uh, soda and stuff like that they said that Pepsi PepsiCo and uh, Nestle are going to be partners uh, basically supplying them with drinks Um, so you know Luckin just can't be stopped they're uh, they're Expanding everywhere, and, and surprisingly, their their stock has just really caught on fire. Somebody's buying into this Luckin story because uh, their stock has risen, I think, like around 10% in the two trading days after they announced this, and uh, they just did an IPO. I mean, this is a really young company. They did an IPO in May, only like two years after their founding, and the stock is is nearly double. I think it's about double what it was at the IPO. As with many young companies, they are still not profitable though, right? Yeah, they're money losing. And that's a second part of the, the, the this big announcement that came uh, just from them uh, is they just announced another big uh, money raising. They, they did an IPO and they raised about 600 million US dollars in that. Uh, and just with, concurrent with this vending machine announcement, they announced uh, they'll be raising another 800 million dollars which you know isn't chump change uh and that's through the selling of additional shares and also they're they're selling a bond so this this company is really they're losing big money but they're they're high visibility uh you know we we drink their coffee a lot of people drink their coffee uh we all buy it at very discounted prices uh but you know, somebody, somebody believes in this company, um, at least on, on Wall Street, that people are buying these, these new shares and, and the bonds as well. So Luckin looks like they're doing okay for now. I'm still not too certain on them on the, over the long term, but, you know, we'll see.
0: Well, Doug, thanks for spilling the beans, the coffee beans, the lentils or the soybeans or whatever. That's all right. Lots of beans. Thanks, Kaiser. Uh, thank you, Doug. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen, who will be back next week. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Seneca Network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at SupChina.com. Take care.